Oh boy, it's WandaVision, and it's Infinity Rewatch, where we talk about WandaVision. I am Andrew Fantasia, and I am joined by the always handsome, always amazing Ryan J. Whitehead. What's up, man? Eight down, two more to go. Oh my god, he's also the collector! I knew it! <laughs> you know, you know what I think of your collector impression, Ryan? Oh, what do you think? Magnificent! I love it. I, I great epic performance by Benicio, and uh, I even love the awkward bow he does in, in Thor Dark where He's like, Oh, Avengers, and just like uh, this weird, um, he's so all good. about the awkward, all about the awkward. Um, mm. but that, that wasn't just a silly off the cuff impression that we did just for jokes and hoots and giggles, that's actually a thing that that I just found out from you. Uh, you did some research. You found out there's actually two more episodes left when we all kind of thought there was only going to be one left. We thought it was going to go to nine, but apparently they're going to 10. That's a thing. They're, they're turning up to 10. I, this yeah. is confirmed by the, this is confirmed by the official Marvel social media page on their Instagram. And they said, and I quote, that there are only two left and episode eight is live. So if you do the math, that means there is definitely two more. And man, these cliffhangers are the absolute tor- like worst torture you could do to fans. Oh my God. Have you seen that video that's going around right now where somebody made a video of uh, if the Marvel movies had cliffhangers like the Marvel shows? Did you Did you see that? No. It's uh, I I'll explain it, but it doesn't do it as much justice as if you watch it. But basically, it's it's the fight scene from Endgame, where Thanos is beating the crap out of Thor, and then you see Mjolnir being lifted, and then you see Mjolnir hit Thanos, and then you see him freak out, and then you see Mjolnir fly into somebody's hand, and then the screen goes into static, and it says, "Please stand by." <laughs> oh my God! It's true though. It's it's so true. You know, it, it's funny you bring that up because it's a great segue to get into episode eight, uh, where it's, uh, I think it's titled previously on WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I loved, because this is the first time we see the show uh, refer to a scene from the movie and actually use a scene from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., more often than not, they would tease uh, a clip from the movie but they would just talk about it and that was it. Well, this is the first time we get actual like, okay, this is what happened and this is this is where it's going. And it was, oh my God, this episode, I just, it was everywhere, everywhere. It was everywhere. And at the same time, it was, you know, it was laser focused on Wanda and Agatha to the point where, like, now I'm so glad you told me this, that there's two left instead of one left. Because this whole time mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking we're watching the second last episode and there's no Monica, there's no Vision, there's no Darcy, there's no mysterious astrophysicist, there's, you know, there's nothing going on outside the hex. And I felt like, I was like, oh my God, like there's there's still so much to cover and they're spending all this time on the second last episode. I felt like Milhouse when he's watching itching, scratchy, and poochy. And I'm just like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> so the fact that the fact that there's two more 
uh, is a big breath of fresh air now because now I, I can I can sigh with relief and know that it's not going to feel rushed when we have this big final battle and this big uh, apparently Doctor Strange cameo and this big other mysterious cameo that we don't know about and this astrophysicist and Monica and Darcy. Like we, it doesn't have to all be packed into one episode like Rise of Skywalker and then it all feels like a mess. So I'm glad that that's the case. I'm glad there's two left. I'm really oh yeah. We and and I I mean the Marvel creative team again with the with the with Kevin Feige at the helm, they gave us another episode with some incredible pieces of information, but still leaving so many questions unanswered. <laughs> like, like who, like we still need to know who the real villain is here, even though we know kind of Agatha is the villain, uh, but who, why we don't know her motivation besides a couple of little nuggets of information in this episode. We still don't really know the why, why we know, we know why we know what she's after. And now, and we got, did we get that question answered? Um, But we still don't know why she's after it so much. So I think I have a guess we'll get to it when we get to it. But um, Mm -hmm. the first thing that I think we should mention is this beautiful purple Marvel studios logo you you know purple's my favorite color so <laughs> with agatha taking over the show and turning everything purple i was like i'm all right with this i'm on board mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not the first time we've seen purple either i mean black panther does you use purple from time to time so it's true it's true but you're right uh this is the first time we're seeing kind of and i like that i like that it kind of sets the tone right we start with the marvel logo and it's getting warped into uh this purple tone which means agatha's really stealing the show all pun intended because she is doing she's stealing a lot of those scenes but props to elizabeth olsen though because man this this show this show is pure character justice for for elizabeth olsen vision um, characters that got somewhat some story in the the main Avengers run, but this is shows on man, the shows on them. But I okay, so I love how this starts because we are getting a new feel and genre of Marvel that Doctor Strange kind of knocked knocked on, and even Doctor Strange takes it somewhere else. But we're kind of getting a little more um death and history into magic in um in in the world yeah and i i could not be happier i love me some magic witches and wizards give it all to me um and what's great about this scene is it kind of brought to light something you and i were talking about outside of the show that i want to bring up is Mm. let's talk about flowers for a second yes yes because uh i can't take credit for this somebody else pointed this out but Wanda's magic is red and Agatha's magic is purple. We, we, we got the gist of that last week. And apparently in West, I always forget if it's Westview or Westbrook. I think it's Westview. The town. Westview. Westview, thank you. In Westview, in the neighborhood, all the flowers outside Wanda's house are red and all the flowers outside Agatha's house are, wait for it, a royal purple. So that that kind of spelled something out beforehand. And then when we saw... Agatha drag Wanda away last week and Dottie, the blonde neighbor was looking at him. She was pruning a rose garden and she had yellow flowers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there, this whole idea of color coded magic 
you know, got me thinking like, oh, you know, there's yellow. Is there a yellow witch? And I, I was looking it up and apparently there's this witch named Arcana who was blonde and she could possibly be the one to have yellow magic. And uh, you were you were speculating uh, that maybe the colors of magic coincide with the colors of the Infinity Stones. And yeah. we started we started snowballing, right? We're like, okay, Doctor Strange <laughs> tends to use green. Yeah. We got purple, we got red, we might have yellow. So that leaves orange and blue. Well, that book, that book that we we totally forgot to even talk about last week, that evil, scary book in the dungeon had orange magic glowing on it. That leaves blue. Mm-hmm. Who uses blue magic, Ryan? The answer? Every witch in Salem, Massachusetts, uh, circa 1692, apparently. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, this was uh, the first time we saw blue-ish magic, but we still don't know what that means. We don't know what it's referenced to. Um, for for a moment, because it was in Salem, Massachusetts, which looks very nice. I heard it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also noticed it was kind of a swampy-looking area, so I, I, I was counting the minutes till we saw some man thing action going on in there probably shouldn't have phrased it that way but i'm gonna roll with it we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna truck it on but but seriously it looked like a swamp setting where you know when you're playing with magic a guardian like that would just come out of nowhere and uh and start dealing out some punishment but really i mean this is again you as fans guys as marvel fans and people that are in, very invested in the show um, you got to take a step back here and realize like you can't just throw characters in because it just fits the scene. You got to have a reason. And much like I still think that our um, aerospace engineer uh, or astrophysicist, I still think that uh, I still think that's going to pay off because there's a reason we saw her text and specifically say she has a friend who's an aerospace engineer or astrophysicist. I can't remember which role it was. But but there was a heavy reference to it, and there was a focus about doing it. So that means that there's a reason why they're building up to it. Um, we still haven't seen this mysterious cameo that that uh, Paul Bettany was very excited to talk about. So, I mean, yeah. But this episode, though, so we're in Salem, and we get to see we get to see some witchcraft, which is really cool. That Marvel's again exploring that area and so um agatha seems to have this tapped this this untapped power that she's tapping into um and she's exploring dark magic that's really separating her from her cult kind of thing so uh that was really interesting and it was a really intense scene uh but it was beautifully done and it set the tone immediately for how dangerous this villain is yeah and she's that's her own mother and she was willing to just be like nope purple uh so she can do that to her mom all bets are off um but i love that we got this idea that there were this coven of good witches like marvel's been just batting a thousand with world building like just in that one scene we know there are these good witches who use blue she's the the odd one out uh she's and she broke free of it and now she's casting these runes, and it was just every every word that came out of Agatha's mouth this week was pure joy for me as a yeah. guy who likes to see magic and witches and wizards and stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought with with the way the episode was going, and because at the time I was watching, I thought this is the second last one. I don't know about you, but I was thinking, okay, this is where we see Doctor Strange. This is going to be the episode. But it wasn't. 
Oh man, it was far from it. So first of all, okay, so let's if we're talking about expectations, let's let's look at this. So at this point, I felt that we were in the Nexus, which it seems like it still could be, but it's very much a place that Ag- Agatha has built. Um and the other thing that blows my mind about it is that um the expectation I had was she talks she was going to talk about uh, her interest in Wanda and her affiliation with Mephisto and then insert Dr. Strange, insert Spectrum, insert Vision, and it's an all-out brawl. Like, that's where I was kind of expecting this episode to go in in kind of a Marvel-headed way. And then on top of that, episode nine then is that after the resolution of all that, they have to deal with S.W.O.R.D. And then, and then go into, you know, big reveal. So I... I that was my expectation going into that, and that is not anywhere close to how this this show this particular episode played out. And what was interesting about it is is that talk about exploration into a character's backstory. I mean, this is this is an origin story like never been done before. A well established character, where at this point. At this point, you feel your traditional origin story is kind of overplayed. Mm-hmm. In this case, it is not even close to like a, a traditional uh, origin story, to a point where this is the this is the point in in writing and Fantasia. I would love to hear your kind of insight on this because you know, being such a gifted writer yourself. Um, so, so this is this is the part in the mystery where you kind of have all the evidence in front of you, but they're explaining how all the pieces come together. This is that this is that episode, and that's where this gets really heated and interesting because um, there is a lot of debate about the commercials and how the commercials are going to play out. And I first of all, the theory is way off. Uh, I think the Infinity Stone theory for the commercials is way out of the out of the thing technically uh but um this was brilliant this was a brilliant move so what basically agatha wants to tap in and find out the reason of her power and there's a lot to this part of the story so let's deep dive into it my friend first of all we go op- she opens the door um and teases that you know hey you do this and you you may get your kids yay and I still think there's something up with the kids because clearly she's really toying with them. So um, there's something going on here. So we get opened up to the Stark missile scene, which my phone would not let me text the word missile for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you I, think said I got middle and you're like, Andrew, it's the middle. And I'm like, yeah, we're in the middle of the episode. You're right. <laughs> okay so what's cool about this part though is that again we get to kick off into wanda's backstory a little bit and we finally get to see the parents now the interesting thing is here is wanda's story in the comics is is very huge there's a lot going on there now if you look at the particulars of the i think it's the um uh god it's the uh if you look at the particulars of the House of M storyline, uh, which is written by Brian Michael Bendis, uh, that the uh, or sorry, Robinson, it's written by Robinson. Uh, 
is that there's a lot of confusion about her parents to a point where there was one story where they kind of just said, okay, Wanda, your mom is actually a very powerful woman named the Scarlet Witch. And it goes into witchcraft in that way. And the mother dies. And then, and you kind of really don't get an idea of who the thought the father is, but, but uh, she's just a powerful witch and her witch like powers were born into Wanda. um, And then she takes on the Scarlet Witch mantle and she died and and her mother died attempting to rescue them from the high evolutionary so that's kind of the story they went went with in the comics for that particular run and then there was still a lot of mystery about the whole magneto thing mm-hmm. um so uh but this was this was done in a 2016 version of the comic so i'm not surprised here marvel seems to cherry pick where they want to go with this so this story was written in 2016 um, with the whole high evolutionary and the mother being, you know, different and just being a witch kind of thing. Uh, but the other side of that coin is, is they're still cherry picking because they picked out the House of M one. And then later on, we're going to talk about another comic, which is like from the 80s. So they're kind of again, this is the Marvel formula, guys. My brother and I have talked about this before. Um, and uh, we've talked a little bit about this on Infinity Rewatch. But sometimes they'll pick a, a really solid story arc from the 80s, but they'll also tie it in with like the Ultimates run of Marvel, which is not the best stories, but there are some cool ideas. So, I mean, the creative team is really just all over the place. You can't say it's based on one soul comic. Yeah, and I think that cherry picking, at least personally in my, according to my tastes, I like the cherry picking because mm-hmm. it feels like we're getting marvel's greatest hits from the moment you know they started as timely comics to today whatever's still being written you've got Mm. the greatest hits like feige and company are kind of choosing this is the best vision storyline and it's from 2008 this is the absolute best ant-man storyline it's from 1987 we're gonna take all of that and put that into one universe The, the the mcu is essentially the best of marvel and it's it's the multiverse version of Marvel that has just all the best mm-hmm. stories in it. You know, you don't have to worry about the clone saga in the MCU, or maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know what Sony's thinking. Um, <laughs> but that that cherry picking, I think, is it's groovy, is what it is, and it gives us the the flavor of Marvel that is easy on everybody's palate without feeling yeah. like it's trying to please everybody. Marvel never has mm-hmm. felt like it's trying to like, please love us. Every demographic love us. It's just like, here's the best story about Scarlet Witch that's ever been told. And we're going to take elements from that and elements from other pieces of her and tell it even better than it's ever been before. That's why I disagree with people who get upset that things have been changed in the MCU because it's it, it, none of these changes so far, at least again, in my opinion, have been for the worse, right? None of these changes have been like, oh man, uh, Peter Parker's friends with Ned Leeds now? Ah, ruined. You ruined Spider-Man. <laughs> like that, nothing has been brought down by the changes. Mm-hmm. Everything feels new and exciting. Uh, so I'm I'm all for when they do this kind of thing. Uh, and in, in terms of the writing of these flashbacks, I think it was really smart of them to blatantly spell out with that missile, with that middle, <laughs> to blatantly spell yeah. it, that uh, with the beeping and everything, like this is the toaster. And they use the same sound effect from that toaster commercial, the same blinking red light, the same 
unsettling pause as we zoom in on the light. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do that five more times with the other products because that would have gotten a bit stale. You know, you're talking about the revelation of of a mystery and how it unfolds and how the you know they show you the clues and they show you what's been going on. All you needed was to do that one time, and now you you trust the audience to be smart enough to put two and two together and be like, okay, every commercial was something to do with her past. Because mm-hmm. uh, if they just spelled it out and spelled it out and spelled it out, we'd feel like, okay, stop patronizing me, WandaVision. We get it. But they didn't do that. They're just like, here's the missile. It's it's what you've been seeing in the commercial. Now we can go back and find those other clues for ourselves, or we can at least surmise that, yeah, the Strucker thing, the soap, whatever, it's all just tied into things Wanda's remembering. That's why those commercials existed. So it was mm-hmm. beautifully done. I got nothing bad to say about how they how they uh, showed us what mm-hmm. uh, what was going on behind the curtain in terms of the commercials. Well, they they tackled it in a brilliant way. And this is going back to that wonderful thing that we're talking about here, which is, again, putting all the evidence together and then explaining to you how the evidence comes together. And the way it starts is it it starts off with her TV show references. They're all (laughs) baked in the briefcase, which was a brilliant, brilliant, uh, like visual idea. Because literally it's all compartmentalized into this briefcase. It opens up and it's like, okay, these are obviously all the shows she'd watch. And now she's familiar with them to a point where it's all there. And then, so, okay, so she watches all these TV shows, but where's the first one? Where did it all start? And then immediately goes into her favorite one, which is the Dick Van Dyke show. And that kicked off the same, the that kicked off WandaVision's world um, or Wanda's vision what ah, name drop it it kicked it off in a in a very uh, i don't know if i don't think freudian is the white the right word here mm. but uh, it kicked it off in a very freudian-esque way because that's exactly what she's watching when that bomb drops when her life starts to change for the worse like mm. everything goes downhill Second, that bomb got her parents die. It leads to her brother and her being kidnapped and then him dying and then meeting Vision and him dying. It's just a snowball of crap that's happened to this poor girl. And it all started while she's watching Dick Van Dyke. So it's almost like she's picking up, you know, she was in this state of arrested development. She's still that little girl who wants to finish that episode of Dick Van Dyke. Mm -hmm. And she's picking up where she left off. Yeah, she didn't. She. I realized, though, through the story, she doesn't have a moment to breathe, like in terms of emotions. Like this, this is a very tortured individual and they, they go the mile. I think, I think as an actress, this is a dream role. Like Elizabeth Olsen has been given a dream role character. Um, And so this scene is interesting because for me, I, my, my Marvel mind was like, oh, they're going to introduce Magneto because they have to, like, it just, it happened that way. But I like that they didn't. And I'll tell you why, because you can always l- let it be an air of mystery, but we, like we said before, it's, there's just no reason for it. There is absolutely no reason to introduce him at this point, And especially a character with that much gravity to him. Like it's, it's just too big of a character on top of Wanda's incredible story. You don't want to overshadow it with all these big cameos, especially in this particular episode, because this is where Wanda gets like the best justice ever. Um, but I will say that this, this missile scene or middle scene or what was it? Metal scene or minced. <laughs> I can't remember. I got like every word, but the freaking missile word. 
um, the missive me, <laughs> the missive scene. Um, but, <clears throat> uh, but what I will say is Agnes did reference that. Why didn't the missile go off? And she, right. and that, that question is not answered. She's like, Oh yes, you, you have your, a hint of your power here, but that, that shouldn't have stopped the missile. And she's like, okay, well, let's move on. And then moves on to the next thing. So there's still some hints there. When I messaged my brother, I was like, oh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking Magneto was going to come in. My brother was like, oh, my God. Yes, I totally forgot. But I agree. It was smart not to do it. This is Wanda's story. So let's keep going. And then we get the beautiful Hydra scene. And we get to see this incredible scene where she's tested on. Uh, with the stuff and I, I love that they're taking this where it needs to go they're not they're not Disney censoring it like it's a dark story and so like she's an, an experimentation guys like again Wanda's no breathing room here she volunteers for it by the way um and um or it could be a voluntold thing we don't know but but so we get her meddling with the the infinity stone and what's interesting about this is, first of all, we get the reference that she's born with her powers. She wasn't given her powers. So the Hydra thing wasn't, it wasn't given to her. It was just, it happened, right? Um, so, so the cool thing is, though, is that the Infinity Stone was a catalyst to, to awaken her powers to that level. Um, and they do this really cool shot with the Scarlet Witch silhouette in the Infinity Stone. So freaking cool. It looked terrifying. For a second, I thought it was Mephisto because it had the horns going on there. And uh, yes. I'm like, oh my God, is she seeing him? But uh, I think this is even scarier because she's seeing essentially a, a multiverse version of herself. She's mm-hmm. seeing the version of herself who walks around in that costume. And damn, the repercussions of that are really frightening. Is she going to become that? Uh, is she going to fight it? Is it inevitable? Uh, Agatha has a line as she's, I think, as she's wheeling her out of the Sokovia memory into the Hydra one that I think sums up every WandaVision fan ever. Because Agatha's trying to figure out how Wanda got her powers. And she says, I have a theory, but I need more. And I'm like, Girl, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, there seems to be a heavy parallel with what we're experiencing, but like it's kind of like a fourth wall break in a, in a sense because Marvel keeps teasing that like, look, we know where you are at as the audience and we know where the characters are at. Let's take you all there. Like it seems to be a very inclusive fourth wall break. Um, which is really funny. And I love that kind of storytelling. Side note, I watched The NeverEnding Story recently. I forgot how brilliant the storytelling is for that movie um, to the point where it gets to the end. And it's it's that same, it's it's that same like Marvel moment, but you know, obviously NeverEnding Story did it first kind of thing. But the you get to the end and then the the Empress, she looks at the camera and she's like, but now we have you listening. And then you realize that you, <laughs> you are a participant in the adventure along with the hero and actually that you're the hero. And it's, it's with Marvel, it's kind of a similar thing where it's, but we're still playing through the eyes of the character, but it's, it's playing at two levels where it's like, okay, well, the character now feels this way. And now you guys feel this way. Now let's take you to the next step. So it's, it's kind of this constant relationship of like, now we get it. 
and we have these questions and the character gets it and the character has questions and let's like, let's move on. Yeah. They almost caught up with us or we caught up with them and now the mm-hmm. playing field is leveled. So yeah, that, that's a really cool way to look at it. I'm going to make a, a confession here. I've never seen a single never ending story. Oh I, my God. <laughs> and I know that the, the fantasy world is named after me. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it should be something I do, but I haven't, but I, you didn't spoil anything. Like I've known about how it ends and the princess and he's like, la, 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 and he says her name, but you can't really tell what he's saying. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've never, I've never, uh, never ended a story before. Well, it's a never ending story. So you never really finish it. No, <laughs> but okay. But you owe it to yourself as someone who is a writer, either read the book or, or watch the movie. Cause the movie does great justice. And there's a lot of really good commentary, uh, especially in today's world, I would say, but but yeah, you buddy, you owe it to yourself, man. The the, the adventure it takes the viewer slash reader on. Oh my god! I know Jack I Black is in part three, and he's like a biker dude. What? Yeah, very young. I Jack didn't know Black. there was a part three. Yeah. I oh man, now I now I need to peruse that world further. <laughs> But I will say the first one definitely has some really magical moments that definitely worth exploring. But getting back to WandaVision, speaking of magical. Yeah, that, so the, the Mind Stone thing was really cool. She's in the prison. And then we kind of fast forward to uh, the Avengers complex, which is really cool. I think. Did I skip one? No, I didn't skip one. No, you didn't. No. No. Yeah. So, which is now reference to the uh, Lagos uh paper towels um which remember we we had to remember it's pronounced legus sorry legus legus right legus um uh it's funny because that also reminds me of batman where they pronounce supposed to be pronounced rachel ghoul and they keep pronouncing it razal ghoul yeah uh anyway funny any like legus uh uh so this particular scene I love because it demonstrates Vision's perception of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good character establishing moment. Um, and I love how he's like, you know, if you want to talk to me, you know, I, I, I've never experienced loss, but, you know, I want to learn. And she just lashes out at him. Like she's just, she slams him down. But there's an honest human moment with Vision, uh, which is interesting because that's what his character is all about. He wants to be more human. Um, And so I thought that was interesting and really introspective. Uh, And I love that, that kind of experience. Um, So it's kind of a nice human moment but they're both experiencing love together kind of thing so it's it's really well done yeah it took me a minute throughout the scene it that part where she kind of snaps back at him that's what reminded me i'm like oh yeah at this point they don't really know each other all that well this is like right after ultron a brother just died he's brand new he doesn't really know anybody on the team so this is before they've bonded they don't really bond till civil war so i I totally forgot about that when he sits down and when she's, she starts being like rude. I'm like, why is she being this way? Oh, right. Cause th- this is sort of how they started talking. Uh, mm. And I, I really enjoyed seeing that aspect of it uh, because we get so little of it in civil war. She's just making her paprikash and he's like, Hey, I'm here to guard you. Um, 
I don't know why my vision sounds like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but there we go. <laughs> he's he's guarding her. Voice. Thank you. He's, he's on the lookout and making sure she doesn't leave. She's basically a prisoner. And then next thing you know, they're, they're in Scotland going to the bone zone together. So it was like, you kind of have to bridge that gap in your own mind. Um, so I kind of liked seeing this little snippet of their relationship that we've never really gotten to see before. It was a nice mm-hmm. piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and then we move to the sword facility, and and you know what? Give me give me new give me new areas. Let me see new things. I actually I was talking to a viewer. Um, I was talking to a viewer in uh, the Avengers game. Uh, there was a there was a post about the Avengers game, and I made a post, and then it turned out to be a full blown conversation with some peeps. Um, but uh, the guys like, oh, when are we going to see familiar areas? I'm like, no. We don't want to see familiar areas. We want to see areas that we haven't seen. And that's and this goes for this scene right now is like, give us more sword. Give us more sword. Give us this weird witch area. Like, I want to see more. I want to see, like, I've, I've seen the Avengers facility. It's awesome. It was great to see characters live, like heroes living in it. But we haven't seen the sword facility yet. So we, and we got to see only like a small taste that has led to some big debates of theories. So yes, give us more. Let us see more. Um, so this is a great scene. Uh, this is the the emotion, the rage building kind of mo- uh, thing. The other interesting thing as, as Wanda goes through all this is she's kind of going through like the, I want to say the seven stages of grief. Hmm, yeah. She starts with like the peak of happiness and then she goes into terror and then she goes into sadness uh, and then she goes into confusion and then she goes into uh, depression and then she goes into kind of the falling in love thing again. So she's kind of going through the, the full stages of grief, right? Um, so so she sees vision and and mr tyler hayward he's uh he's i don't know man i think yeah we don't like you hayward yeah i think he's a nick fury gone wrong kind of thing he seems to not he he doesn't seem to to have any vision or insight into a lot that's going on around him he seems to just be very quick to quick to snap and and wants to be stubborn down the path he wants to go on without really taking in everything around him. So I find that's interesting because he has vision and when he meets Wanda, you can clearly tell he doesn't, he ha- he lacks awareness. He just lacks. And, and it's funny because he has vision at the state where vision is dismantled and dead. And that seems to be Tyler Hayward's understanding of the area is just that it's very dismantled and it's very just broken pieces. And he's, he's very direct about what he wants. So this is a classic reference, though. We see Vision there, and then we see her trying to, what looks like trying to resurrect him. Um, but uh, but she's like, I can't feel him. I can't feel him. And then freaks out, takes Vision. Uh, and we also uh, get the letter, which I thought was interesting. Or she doesn't take Vision. She does not take Vision. It was yeah. all a big old lie. Yeah, it was a big old... Yes, that was the thing. It was a lie because... Uh, what's her fate? Uh, sorry, when um, Captain Rambeau was talking about it, she said that Tyler Hayward said that she came in and took Vision. Yeah, and he oh showed her God. footage of her breaking through the glass, which she did, but then he stopped the footage before we see that she's actually mm-hmm. not taking anything at all. Right, so 
Catherine Rambeau at this point knows that Wanda took Vision. She and thinks now, she took Vision. Yeah, so, oh my God. Re- another relevation there. Or, God, my God, these words. <laughs> my brain is just totally fried. Okay, so, anyways, another moment there. Uh, so, at this point, um, so yeah, Wanda goes to Westview and we get to see all the the different people in the town of Westview, which is interesting. It's kind of very Pleasantville-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets the letter. And it was funny because I'm sitting there. And I'm like, oh, man, is this going to be like, what is the letter for the, like the next week? Like, what's the letter about? But it was cute. It was a nice little deed that Vision got for the house that they could grow old in, which I thought was really adorable. Um, and then we get that epic moment where she just like, oh, and and this right here, Ooh. this so far, this is my favorite moment in WandaVision and one of my favorite moments in the MCU. This was just beautiful. Uh, from all of this hardship that she's gone through uh, and seeing, you know, seeing the her parents be killed and this bomb and just every single step of this journey that has been her life, this just series of tragedies that's been Wanda's life, you know, culminating in, in seeing vision on the table, the last person left that she truly loved and she can't feel him anymore. And he's in pieces. His body isn't even in a dignified state. It's in pieces. And then she, you know, she drives to where this house is that he was going to buy her before Thanos came and ruined everything. And she's standing in this empty husk. The house is just like, vision it's just an empty husk there's nothing there left anymore she there's no warmth it can't be a home and her whole life was just taken away from her and you know that's the final straw for wanda and she just sinks to her knees and screams and lets loose and from that we get the westview that we've been watching for these past seven episodes now and I felt that that like that just hit me right in my heart. Like that is something that's so absolutely human to to have to go through. And I mean, like I know I've had moments where sometimes I will sit and think of like what could have been. And I'm sure everybody has moments like that. And Wanda has reached this point where she's so crushed from the inside out that she feels like she needs to sink into that bubble of what could have been and just live there for the rest of her life. Uh, and that like, I'm, I'm almost going to start crying just talking about it. Like that is so powerful and such a universal thing. We've all been there. We, none of us have red magic puffs coming out of our fingers, but we have all created that bubble in our hearts and in our minds. And unfortunately, you know, some people, get so enraptured by it, they sink into that bubble and they never want to come out. And seeing that put to life in such a unique way, like I can't believe how powerful that was. And it it's it's right there. It's at the top, like my Marvel moments now. Like it's so uh like I I, I have no words. I have no words to describe how much that hit me to my core. I I couldn't agree more. Um you know, one of the trailers that came out for a Disney Plus series, uh, which is about becoming the hero, um, it talks about Joe Kessida's journey uh, through learning how to like write comics with Stan. Uh, and one of the big things is 
And this is, I, you know, this is a question I wish I got to ask Stan. I was at a Q&A with Stan a long time ago. I think it was his first appearance at Fan Expo. I really wish I asked him this because I'm pretty sure he has answered this question before. But I, I wanted to ask him because I wanted, I don't, I don't know if it's out there in the world. I don't know if this question has been answered. But what Joe Kester said was, he's like, okay, when I look at making a Marvel hero, you know, you know, you, you see Spider-Man in a suit, but what I want to know is what is the man outside of the suit? And he's like, that's what you focus on is like, you focus on these human qualities and why, and then why are they in the suit the whole time? Right. Because then when you see the hero doing their superheroic things, you get the motivation and it seems common sense, but it is actually harder to really achieve. And this is why this Wanda moment is so in- intensely powerful is, you know, this character has gone through such torture. And, and the reason why I bring up the question is because um, in the scene, mall rats, he, uh, in the scene, mall rats, Stan talks about, you know, he created the Hulk because it was about his pain of losing the love of his life um to to another guy uh and so you know that anger is his anger of of you know that that thing um and he's like and then also you know after you know certain life events he talks about like the thing is all hideous because of what happened to him and he's like but that's that's me and how i see myself so it's like if that's true, then that's why these characters, you know, that's where Marvel really gets their magic from is, is like, it's these human experiences that we all share that really elevates the characters. I do find DC, uh, when you talk about DC characters, they have choices uh, that we all can relate to. But in terms of like, in terms of like moments that we all experience, like, like Wanda's, I think that's where Marvel is approaches storytelling slightly differently um, where it's like, you know, these, these hero things are curses. Whereas DC it's like, these are choices um, as much as, and, or, and, or, and it's, I don't want to oversimplify it that way, but just for my telling my point uh, and echoing what you're saying is like, I think that's, that's how Marvel does it is like these, these very human experiences that we all go through, but they, they, they add that little extra to it. That really the, the, the superpower amplifies that feeling that we have. Right. And it's, it's funny because in acting, they always talk about raising the stakes. Um, mm. But when we experience these moments that that's when the superpower comes into play, that's, that's them raising the stakes. Like that's them pushing that emotion to its absolute max. And again, it's just that kind of storytelling. I absolutely love. Um, but yeah, so it's such a, it's such a great, great moment and, um, yeah, just epic, epic. And then we get to see, uh, vision being created in that moment. And which is interesting because we, we, in a moment of that kind of heartbreak, you, you kind of want to, you want that person to come back in your own eyes. Right. So. Oh, of course. And you're right. Marvel is very, they're very zoomed in on, on the little things, on the details of a person's life. Uh, um, you know, like who's Spider-Man dating? And, you know, he's, he's not going to get to date her because he's busy being Spider-Man and that whole really human thing. And DC is, is trying other things. DC is more about uh, telling 
myths. It's trying, it's kind of like you, when you read the myths of Hercules or, or the myths of Zeus, whatever, it's, it's like telling those just with capes and gorilla grud. Uh, it, it just, it tells it a different way. Marvel is trying to almost be like you're reading somebody's diary, the diary of somebody who does really interesting yes. things. DC yes. is more like you're looking at the stained glass windows of people who have done really interesting things and reading scripture mm-hmm. about it. That's the difference. Uh, and they, mm. they both do it well in the comics. Uh, I don't think DC has quite elevated itself in the movies yet, but uh, mm. you're right. They're, they're approaching these kind of people in very different ways that can work mm. or not work. If, you know, it just it all depends on who's behind the pen. And so far in WandaVision, who is behind the pen is doing a kick-ass job. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into, so now at this point we get the beautiful set of WandaVision, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then we, I think it cues into sword from this point. Well, she uh, walks, uh, she, she leaves oh, yes. the house after, yeah. after we see her create, she, she kind of leaves and we're back out into the, the streets, the neighborhood streets. And there is Agatha in her full costumed, purple glory floating looking very witchy she just floats Mm -hmm. witches float they have no time for such paltry things as walking ryan (laughs) if you asked a witch to go for a walk she would laugh at you and she'd say no sir we float we float yes no indeed um yes sorry i forgot that that's definitely the order in which it goes and this is a big moment too and 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 so the kids are yelling for her and she, at this point, Wanda still believes the kids are alive. As a comic book fan and the way they're cherry-picking the story, as far as we know right now, they're still soul frag. They still could be soul fragments of Mephisto, but she believes they're real. Wanda believes these kids are real. And even Monica says it. Monica says that these kids are real. So that's interesting. Um, then the other thing about this is Ag- Agnes, or sorry, Agatha... Uh, clearly states that her magic is chaos magic. Yeah. And that's huge because in the comics, that is her magic. Her magic is chaos magic. Um, And it's to a point where she thinks she has control over them. But in the end, she's always constantly surprised because she learns something new or something will happen that she cannot control Um, to a point where Dr. Strange is afraid of her because of that kind of power. Um, and, and that's, I think we're still going to see something like that, um, with the cameo appearance of Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, well, I'm scared of her just from what we've seen. And I really like how they, they dropped the name right at the tail end here, the the name Scarlet Witch, because the way Agatha said it implies to me, and as a guy who didn't read the comics, I don't know if this is a thing, but it implies to me, she says it in, in such a way where it's like, you're the Scarlet Witch, as if it's something that's preordained like like in like a like a prophesied person like it, it's the equivalent of saying you're the Kwisatz Haderach from Dune I don't know why I'm pulling a Dune reference out of my ass I'm sorry <laughs> uh, I apologize for making everyone hear the words Kwisatz Haderach twice now uh but y- you see what I mean though it's like you're the chosen one you're the Scarlet Witch that mm-hmm. seems like it seems like Agatha has known there was going to be a Scarlet Witch it's been ordained since who knows how long. And now she sees Wanda and she's been piecing things together. She's had her theories, but she needed more. And now she understands you are that person. 
that's how it came across to me. Is that a thing in the comics? Yes. Uh, so th yes, it's kind of like a prophecy thing. Um, and this is at this point, it's very still house of M in terms of the Mephisto reveal is still, we're still, the plane looks like it's going to land on that tarmac at this point. Like the plane is setting up for the landing and it's going to set up for a Mephisto appearance. Um, because, uh, essentially, yeah, that chaos magic is, uh, allowing her to, uh, eventually cross paths with Mephisto. So, um, yeah, I, I totally think you're on the right track. You are not, you're not off the beaten trail here. Um, uh, but again, I don't know the story hundred percent too well, so we're going to have to kind of wait and see. But again, even if I knew, I still don't think Marvel's going to play it out exactly page page for page panel for panel of the comics based on what we're seeing already and that's because which segue into the next scene um uh we get into the uh vision reveal and and we get tyler uh tyler hayward uh talking about his new weapon so first of all i love the i love the scarlet witch reveal not only because of this whole prophecy thing but this is the first time we actually get to see wanda be referred to as the scarlet witch yeah it took origin, them long origin story man so good uh and so big reveal there i love that i loved i loved hearing it it's no different than hearing avengers assemble right like cap got his captain american name right out of the gate bucky bucky and the winter soldier oh they call him the winter soldier boom black widow they call her the black widow boom like we we've gotten hero names after hero names people and then avengers like we they have never been called the avengers until iron man said it in the first movie where he's like avengers that's what we call ourselves but it was near the end it took yeah. them like the entire movie um there's some cool and, symmetry there because the first movie, like the first story we ever got in the Infinity Saga, yeah. ends with him saying, I am Iron Man. Oh, yeah. The first thing we ever get in whatever the hell this saga is going to be called uh, ends almost with somebody saying, you are Scarlet Witch. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of turning on its head like now you're you're Scarlet Witch, whether you like it or not. It's not a choice yeah. you're making. And I think that's going to be the arc for her for the last two episodes is to embrace that and to not kind of take it from Agatha's word and submit to being Scarlet Witch, but to choose to be the version of Scarlet Witch that's the best she can possibly be. The version who can move on, the version who doesn't need to live in the hex, and the version who can kick Hayward's pasty ass. <laughs> I'm surprised yes. his internet nickname is not Dick Fury. If it is, it is now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and so, yeah, I'm surprised it's not. So let's get into it. Let's talk about it. So S.W.O.R.D. here. We got S.W.O.R.D. doing their thing on the outside of this hex. Um, and so project the project was referred to as Project Cataract, uh, which a lot of people had speculations about it. But obviously, it's kind of the more literal translation, which is white, like just white. Uh, but um, we get the 80s version of Vision, the white Vision. Um, and the interesting thing about this is uh, in the 80s comics, there was a, the, the comic book reference I'm referring to. So we have Scarlet Witch 2016. We have House of M. And then we have, uh, and then we have this comic, which is from the West Coast Avengers, and it was subtitled Vision Quest. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you like that, eh? 
And so this vision was dismantled by the government and put back together by Hank Pym, actually, fun fact, which is interesting, which is interesting because who built this vision? Because it couldn't have been Hayward. Hayward's not smart enough to run it himself. No. Uh, so it's so it's uh, Vision Quest. And so this vision is literally a weapon. It is literally a soldier that takes orders and, and just is a super powerful character. That's it. He has no personality, nothing. He is zombie vision. He's no human emotions, which is interesting because again, Tyler Hayward, going back to what I mentioned about him earlier, it seems like because he has a lack of vision, um, the vision that he has on this side uh, on, under his command now that lacks any emotion or insight, which is interesting because when vision was a part of the Avengers, that's what he did. He provided insight and he provided guidance, right? Because in Civil War, when they talk to him, he's like, we have to think about the causality of things. And and what's funny is, is Hayward isn't doing that. He's not thinking of causality. He's thinking of just doing it. Yeah, he's he's all about just, he doesn't care about the effect his actions have. And that's going to be his downfall because you you create an evil false vision. You're going to piss off vision and you're going to piss off Wanda. And you don't want yeah. those people pissed off at you. Uh, so there's the time is ticking for Hayward. His time is almost up. Mm-hmm. So speaking of time being almost up, that applies to us as well. <laughs> we are two episodes left. Thankfully, I'm so glad it's not one episode left. And now that you have told me that Ryan, I'm going to drop a prediction here. here Do we go. it. Bring it on. It's not. It's still not one thousand percent a fact that we're going to get Mephisto in this show. the 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 roadmap is pointing towards him, but you know we could still have to wait for Doctor Strange two before we see him. Whatever. I personally hope he shows up in the show, but my prediction is going to be that if Mephisto shows up on WandaVision, it is one hundred percent going to be next week and not the final episode. Because as I'm sitting through this today, I'm thinking, if they're going to drop Mephisto, you can't explain something that big in 48 minutes. That's a big deal. That's, he's basically Satan. You know, we've gone three whole phases, a whole flip and saga without meeting Satan. And now he's just like, surprise, I've been here this whole time. What's up? I'm evil. Uh, you, you need time to draw that out, make it believable and make us understand why he's a threat. And if you, you know, if he shows up halfway through the last episode and they beat him in 12 minutes, then it's like, well, that doesn't really work and it makes Mephisto look bad. So I'm glad that we have this extra chunk, hopefully an hour. Hopefully an hour, an extra chunk of time now to get to know him. That's the right place to drop him so that He's established as a threat. He's established as the villain. He's established as somebody that we know is going to go forward. There's no way they're going to kill him off if they introduce him here. And that way, it doesn't feel weird to suddenly out of nowhere in this superhero story about cosmic purple lasers and everything to suddenly drop the demon of all demons into the picture and be like, yeah, accept that, folks. It doesn't, it's not as tough a pill to swallow if you introduce him sooner. And, and they've been good with how and when they drop things. Their timing has been really, really precise. So that's why I'm confident that they're going to do that. 
What do you think? Do you agree? I, I, I think it's good. I think it's a passable theory. I, I can't say I agree. I, I can't say I agree, and it's not because I'm disagreeing with you. It's because Ryan I hates have... me, guys. He hates me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I hate your theory. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But okay, seriously though, seriously though. No, it was definitely like magnificent, magnificent, magnificent. magnificent. Uh, but here's the thing. I think if you're going to do a Mephisto drop, I don't think he's going to be in it until like a cameo. I don't think he, I think he's going to be a cameo because here's the thing. Agatha is the villain. And like, as of right now, she is the villain. And as much as I, I know I've been saying and leading up to like Mephisto is the villain. I think like much like, much like Avengers where Thanos is the villain. Um, you don't see Thanos to like the last scene. Ah, uh... I like this. I like okay. this. Okay. Hear me out now. Now, that being said, that being said, there's still there's still some other things you can do. Okay? Because you got some problems to solve here. First of all, Vision is not an easy dude to take out. You need someone pretty powerful to take him out. Okay? Mm-hmm. So here's my theory. Here's my here's my theory. My my Mephisto theory, theory is still playing out the way it's going to be done he's going to be like the last scene he's going to come in at the last scene or something or like he or agatha is going to fail and report back to mephisto much like and very very played out to avengers she's going to report back to mephisto and mephisto's going to be upset and then he's going to say like oh what about the kids and then she's like oh don't worry your soul is fine Something like that. Mm. Now, what I think is going to happen is Agatha is going to get, it's going to be a crazy battle of powers and, you know, really cool insert, super cool Marvel fight scene here with Spectrum and everyone throwing the gauntlet. And then Vision's going to come in and try to help. But that's when anti-Vision comes in. And then there's this huge battle to a point where, um, I think that uh, Vision's going to convince Wanda to let him go. Just you have to let you have to let me go yes. in order to move on. Like you have to accept that death is a part of of life. Um, because Vision seems to be playing at the view on human life, uh, and I think that scene where he talks about learning about loss is a very critical scene. I think that's going to be a very big thing to his story. So I think that's going to play a thing and she's going to have to try to fight this vision. She's not going to win. She's not going to win against the anti-vision. Um, but vision's going to fight him and then realize that he's just, he's, he's nothing. He's made up of magic essentially. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, I think that if you wanted to play up the whole Marvel thing, what you could do is um, uh, Agatha ends up hypnotizing Wanda one last time. Doctor Strange comes back in, saves Wanda by hypnotizing her, unhypnotizing her, uh, and then getting her to fight the Vision with him and all that stuff. Uh, in the end, if you want to play up the Marvel thing, I think Magneto still has a very solid chance of coming in and wrecking things. 
That would be very cool. And I, I love where your mind is going, especially with Vision asking her to let him go. Because uh, mm. he, he said that, God, beautiful line where he's like, you know, mm. what is grief but an extension of love? And I think he's going to remind her of that because uh, she has not allowed herself to grieve. She's physically encapsulating herself in a safe space where she doesn't need to grieve. And, you know, she loves him and she's probably going to say, no, don't go. I love you. And his, I don't know why she sounds like a valley girl all of a sudden. And then his whole thing is to be like, Wanda, I know you love me. So grieve me. Don't hoard me away like a treasure. Grieve me because that is an extension of love. That is the most healthy thing you could do for me right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as when he fights the, the evil version of himself, they play the song Double Vision by Foreigner. I'll be happy. Yeah. Okay. But I I have to pause you here because I got to explain the Magneto thing real quick. So the reason why I think Magneto may still play a factor in it is because again, I think that the missile, the, the, the hint on the missile, why the missile didn't go off and he's and Magneto in the house of M or not the house of M story, but in a Scarlet Witch's story, uh, Magneto has been trying to find them. And I think because of this epic scale of Wanda's power might draw the attention of him and cause him to come. Okay. Possible, right? But here's the other, here's the other side of the coin. So let's play the more realistic card here. So I still think the vision card is going to play out talking about grief. I love that. That's a great way to do it. And on top of that, um, remember that the whole talk about the time stone and the whole talk about different timelines and end game, it was about like, look, you have to, you have to let the time flow. You have to let it flow. You can't hold on to something and just stop everything from moving. You have to let things roll out. Right. So I think that's going to play up a, a, an important thing in the story. Now the aerospace engineer is going to reveal themselves as either Hank McCoy or Reed Richards. Um, still leaning on Hank. Still leaning on Hank, just because the just because of Quicksilver being a mutant, I feel like it's your best bet to introduce. Unleash the beast, baby. Unleash, Unleash the, beast. the beast. And he's gonna have an invention that's gonna take out, or he's gonna have a failsafe to take out this anti anti vision. I love it. I'm all for it. Mm. As long as the foreigner song plays. As long <laughs> as the foreigner song plays, yeah, I think that's what's gonna go down. I, again, I like your theory. It's not wrong. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with it. I, th- I what the way I'm looking at it is your your theory is a pass. This is my theory. I think it's a pass. I agree. I like that. I like where this is going. Uh, and I think we can both agree that the rabbit is totally not a real rabbit. No. I think old scratch is uh, is as as translated from yeah. a previous episode. He's a sneaky sneaky guy. That all right. Well, that has been WandaVision. Episode eight, two more to go, thankfully. Uh, Thanks for listening to us talk about it on Infinity Rewatch because you know all our theories are right, even the ones that contradict the other ones. So it broke here first. You heard it here first. You don't even need to listen to other podcasts. You don't even need to watch WandaVision. You already know what's going to happen because Ryan and I just told you. Magneto is going to play a foreigner song and then Beast is going to punch Vision in the throat. I think that's (laughs) the gist of what our things were. So we're good. You already know. Uh, but uh, where can uh, where can people find you, Ryan? 
when they want to talk to you about things that are not WandaVision related. Of course, uh, guys, always uh, hit that subscribe button when it comes to Rebel Scum Podcast Network. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment down below. Let us know your thoughts and feels. Uh, but you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. Uh, and you can also find me on the Twitter, um, as I got the Twitter front, but, uh, you know, Fantasia's definitely got the Instagram, but, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Crusader Online. Uh, that's right. And you can find me on Instagram and YouTube as Andrew Fantasia, uh, and on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network every now and then talking about Star Wars. I just did a big High Republic video for our Patreon people. So if you're a Patreon, you got to hear me talk about the High Republic which is amazing. Ryan, I don't know if you've read any of the High Republic stuff so far, but it is so cool. It is just like every Jedi fantasy you've ever had with like lightsaber <laughs> colors you never even dreamed of. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's wonderful. One lady Give me got, more Jedi. Give me more Jedi. Give me an excuse. All the Jedi. There's this one Jedi lady. She's got uh, a, a white lightsaber and it's a double one, but it can kind of go up so that she can kind of use it almost like a trident, like two things. And she, it, it's it's insane. It's in, it's absolutely insane. But uh, that's that's a lightsaber of a different color. Anyway, thank you for watching, um, for listening uh, to Infinity Rewatch, and we'll see you next week for episode nine on Wandavision. Have a marvelous day.